You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 215 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode we are going to take a dive into the wonderful world of Sufism, Rumi and Coleman Barks. Yes, that's right, it's that time again. We featured Coleman Barks before on this podcast and we will most likely feature him again. However, most importantly, we will feature him now. Coleman Barks is an American poet and a popular interpreter of Rumi. And Rumi, as you all know, is the Persian sage of ancient times. And uh, Barks, he has taught literature at the University of Georgia for three decades, and he doesn't speak Persian himself. And he has done his uh, Rumi renditions based on other people's translations, and therefore has received some criticism. But to such critics, I simply say, who cares? Listen to the poetry. The message is more important than the messenger, in my opinion. Honestly, I cannot say what it is. But I simply adore listening to this elderly southern gentleman read his own versions of Sufi mystic Rumi and Shams Tabrizi. And I'm not sure what any of you listening think, but not only do I receive a lot of beauty and wisdom from Coleman Barks' readings, but I also find him pretty funny. What you're going to hear is two talks that I've mixed together and re-edited. In these talks you'll hear Coleman Barks talk about how he became entangled with Rumi in the first place. You'll hear him read Rumi poetry and some other poetry as well. And you will also hear Coleman Barks' comment on Rumi, on Sufism and on the divine mystery in general. I do hope you will enjoy it and gain something from it. I certainly did. When Jalaluddin Rumi spoke his poems spontaneously in Persian in the 13th century, there was always music nearby. There had to be, because the poetry was part and the music were part of an experiment they did with uh, the deep listening or sama. And uh, that listening was meant to remind us of what a healthy soul feels like what the opening heart might be and what it is to access an intelligence within and perhaps without our personal, our personality. So it is good to have music close by. People ask me how I got involved with the poetry of Rumi. How does a Presbyterian from Chattanooga <laughs> get uh, 
involved with the greatest poet of Islam in the 13th century. There are three strands to the answer of that question. Um, one of them is very credible and involves my meeting with the American poet Robert Bly. He handed me in June of 1976, he handed me uh, a volume of translations of Rumi, and said these poems need to be released from their cages. <laughs> and uh, what he meant was that they needed to be rephrased out of their stiff um, translationese language into something more kin to the great American tradition of free verse that has come down to us through Whitman and um, William Carlos Williams and uh, Galway Cannell. And so Robert, um, well, that was a writing exercise, but I took it as a different kind of thing. I felt like I was entering a new area and breathing new air. It's like I felt this sublime sort of relaxation come over me. And I used it when I got back home here to Athens, Georgia. I used it as a way to come out of my analytic thinking and talking every day, three classes. I would go, after the third class, I would go up to the Bluebird Cafe in uh, downtown Athens and order some hot tea and sit there and rephrase Rumi for about an hour on the backs of their ordering pads. So uh, I still have those <laughs> ordering pads. Um, so this is one strand that... Uh, uh, for me, it was not anything about publishing. It was a soul growth practice. And uh, I did it for about seven years, mostly, I mean, just about every day. And uh, before I published a book called Open Secret with a little press up in uh, Putney, Vermont. And the second strand of how... Um, I got involved with Rumi, involves the uh, um, way that we are led and get advised in dreams. Um, on May the 2nd, 1977, I had a dream. I was sleeping out um, and I was not actually, I was dreamed I was sleeping outdoors on a bluff above the Tennessee River where I grew up. And uh, a ball of light rose off of Williams Island and came over me and clarified from the inside out. And there was a man there inside the ball of light. Uh, he had his head bowed and he rose his he raised his head 
And he said, I love you. And I said, I love you too. And he, I felt the landscape fill with moisture as was natural. Uh, the dew was forming, but I felt the formation of the dew in my own body. And the, the moisture was love. Uh, a year and a half later, I met this man. Uh, you all can believe this or not. You know, I'm, I don't have that luxury because it happened to me. Uh, no. Um, I met uh, Baba Muhaideen in uh, uh, Philadelphia a year and a half later. And I would, I would go up there and tell him my dreams. And I say, um, I would tell him the dream. He would say, you don't need to tell me that. I was there. I don't know how that works, you know. But there are people who live on other levels of awareness than I'm on anyway. So that... Uh, it's the second strike. I don't think that I would have much idea of what goes on in Rumi's poetry if I hadn't had that connection to uh, Bawa Muhayyadeen. The third strand that connects me with uh, Rumi's poetry is uh, more provable, I guess, in the... It involves a childhood joke that um, I um, didn't get until recently. Uh, I grew up on the campus of a boys' school. My father was headmaster. And uh, I was a geography freak uh, when I was about six years old. I knew all the capitals of all the countries. In the Rand McNally 1943 uh, atlas. And uh, as I went across the quadrangle to dinner, uh, teachers would call out names of countries and I would yell back the capital. So they would yell Bulgaria and I would say Sofia. And they would yell Uruguay, and the little smart, smart aleck kid would say Montevideo. Uh, I, I never missed. And uh, this perfection went on uh, until the, the Latin teacher, James Pennington, um, decided it had gone on long enough. He went down in his basement classroom and got a country that didn't seem to have a capital. And he yelled it out across the quadrangle. He said, Cappadocia, Cappadocia. And he said, the look on my face uh, when I went through my perfect brain and couldn't find it, um, named me. So from then on, he called me Cappadocia. And people still call me Cappadocia <laughs> in Chattanooga or, or Cap. And I almost fell down in a few years ago when I realized that the 
capital, the central city in that region of Anatolia um, was Iconium, or Konya, where Rumi lived and is buried. So I didn't know. I still don't know the capital of Cappadocia. <laughs> but so I was named for my ignorance for what I didn't know, and I like that. Um, one of the Rumi's insights is that there is a core of longing in every human being. And this core, nobody knows what the core of longing is for. In this uh, poem, he says, the longing is for the longing itself. One night, a man was crying. Allah, Allah, Allah. His lips grew sweet with the praising until a cynic said, So, I have heard you calling out, but have you ever gotten any response? The man had no answer for that. He quit praising and fell into a confused sleep where he dreamed he saw Hitter, the guide of souls, in a thick green foliage. Why did you stop praising? Why did you stop praising? Because I never heard anything back. This longing you express is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you toward union. Your pure sadness that wants help is the secret cup. Listen to the moan of a dog for its master. Listen to the moan of a dog for its master. That whining is the connection. There are love dogs no one knows the names of. Give your life to be one of them. One night a man was crying. Allah. One night a woman was crying, Allah, Allah. Rumi's poetry sprang spontaneously from the work that he was doing with a dervish learning community in Konya, Turkey. The work of that was tending to the health of the soul. And they did it in many ways. One was just by expressing the natural ecstasy of being alive. Rumi says that just being uh, in a body and sentient is cause for rapture. 
He also says that form itself, form, is ecstatic. That is, there is a shimmering excitement in form itself. Uh, in another place, he says there are three ways of approaching the divine mystery. One is prayer. A step up from that is meditation. And a step up from that is conversation, which uh, is a kind of inner, outer exchange with that being they call the friend or the soul or the heart or the beloved. That exchange is uh, very healthy for the soul. He says it gives you generosity and modesty and strength and handsomeness and eloquence. And what the Sufis always symbolize by the opening of the rose, that mystery of the opening of the heart. So here's his poem about the opening of the heart. It's good for us to realize and try to respond as he does to the opening of the rose in this period of sectarian violence. Surely the opening heart is the way out of it. What was said to the rose that made it open was said to me here in my chest. What was told the cypress that made it strong and straight. What was whispered the jasmine. So it is what it is. Whatever made sugar cane sweet, whatever was said to the inhabitants of the town of Chigil in Turkestan that makes them so handsome, whatever lets the pomegranate flower blush like a human face, that's happening to me. I blush. Whatever put eloquence in language, that's happening here. The great warehouse doors open, and I fill with gratitude. Chewing a piece of sugarcane, in love with the one to whom every that belongs. What was said to the rose? that made it open was said to me here in my chest what was told the cypress what was whispered the jasmine whatever lets the pomegranate flower blush whatever puts eloquence in language that's happening here don't you love it in the middle of a poem where 
the poet says, you want to hear what eloquence is? I'm doing it now. <laughs> Whatever put eloquence in language. That's happening here. The great warehouse doors open, and I fill with gratitude, chewing a piece of sugar cane. Sing it, man. This longing you express is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you toward union. Your pure sadness that wants help is the secret cup. Listen to the moan of a dog for its master. to the moan of a dog for its master. That whining is the connection. Um, I'm going to read a few Rumi poems and then some of my own and then we'll go home. <laughs> um, these guys just agreed. I was standing at the bar in Manhattan, and they showed up behind me, and I said, you all want to do something on Thursday? And they said, sure. And they did. They, we, we have not rehearsed at all. This, this, is the, this is a rehearsal. It's the first time I've ever heard of a play. And I, I just assumed they could. <laughs> and it turns out they can. Um, this next poem, gosh, I've had some luck with this poem. Um, it's called The Guest House. Jeez. Um, and Chris Martin likes it and put me reading in it on Coldplay's last album. Uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm, I'm the self track. And, uh, uh, me, me and President Obama, if you can believe it. It's called A Head Full of Dreams. Anyway, it's, I, I love it. I love Coldplay's music. 
Anyway, so, especially now. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see if you, if you all can uh, be as good as Coldplay <clears throat> with the guest house. It's a model for the um, psyche. He says, we are not... We are not the emotions and the compulsions and the things that come through us, you know? We are just an empty space that they come through and the host of that emptiness. So uh, this is a metaphor for the psyche. It's, it would say that, um, you know, jealousy might come to you and, and you would say, come on in. It's good to see you again. I thought you were dead. <laughs> or, or stage fright. Like, come, hey, come on in. This, uh, this has been kind of dull without you. Uh, ecstatic love comes up the wall. My pleasure. A sentimental sense of oneness with everything comes in. And you say... I knew your mother. <laughs> uh, a cynical doubt of anything spiritual comes in and you say, bro, how about that game last night? <laughs> and uh, road rage comes and you say, oh yeah. Uh, and did you ever think of becoming a professional driver? <laughs> anyway, that's my riff on Rumi's poem. Here's Rumi's poem. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The, the dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I'll come back to some more Rooney points. Uh, I thought I'd do one uh, poem of my own which is that very simple-minded strategy for writing poems. I just uh, listen to what people are saying around me, and then I write it down, and I publish it. And, uh, I keep all the royalties. So, so uh, watch out. <laughs> In Union Springs, Alabama, at the Dollar General, I love that opening line. 
in Union Springs, Alabama, at the Dollar General, white lady doing the register, says to the black man customer in front of me, fish gone fishing, fish gone fishing, fish gone fishing now. Black guy says, I caught a five pound brown. I say, a five pound brown, one pound. If I got a five pound brown, I wouldn't be here. I'd be on Good Morning America. <laughs> Did I hear you say fish gone fishing? That's my husband. His name is Fish. What does he what does he like to do most? Pause, long pause. Then she and the black man say together, hunt. <laughs> the man goes, she turns to me. That's my neighbor. We have rounded a sweet corner. I do believe we have. I'll read some more. This is a sequence poem called. The, the sequence is called. Uh, there ain't nothing like it. And this is just bits of conversation I heard. This one has, happens to be from uh, the Waffle House about by 9:30 at night, and. Uh, this is just things I heard, bits of conversation. Some of that same music would be good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. A lot of banjo. Um, you know that guy last night talking about he's from Beaumont, Texas? He's broke down out here in the parking lot. He could do worse. Did Carol bump her head or out there or something? Stay out of those woods. They give you trouble every time. I could waller in that stuff and it might bother me. Coffee? The next thing I drink is going to have alcohol in it, a lot of it. <laughs> give it me for my next birthday. I'll quit counting. Tomorrow, I'll be 39 for the 39th time. <laughs> Told that to Calvin, he had to get out his calculator. <laughs> 78, isn't it? Uh, 79. That's exactly how old I am, 79. Hard to believe. Yeah. Okay. Here's another A big group in a conference room in a hotel. Them and their wives, completely casually dressed, T-shirts and Bermuda shorts, no socks, tennis shoes, very at ease with each other, laughing, telling stories, all of them about mid-60s. 
No agenda, apparently. A guy walks by near where I'm sitting. What is this hilarious group? Bravo Company, Vietnam. Briny is looking through a ragged tan notebook. My friend Chris has written this short dialogue of God with humanity or a small group of us. God is speaking. Couldn't you just try to be happy? <laughs> you cannot imagine how much vitality it took to make those redwoods. <laughs> And the immortals that walk around among you unrecognized, unbelievable dream there. Enjoy what you got, please. <laughs> Sounds like God is, wants to conserve energy. Yeah, he's winding down. The man, a couple of short ones. A man sitting on the edge of an open coffee place where it blends into the parking lot, Santa Cruz. He is talking to himself and God. You, you mongus fungus, you. <laughs> I walk into a Saturday morning breakfast place in Copper Hill. Three guys at a table. One of them says, low but clear, give him a haircut to go. <laughs> That's mean, man. That's mean. Oh. That's enough of those, man. Uh, um, Shams just, uh, they hit, whenever Rumi and Shams would talk, evidently there were five or six uh, scribes taking down what they said to each other. And so Shams's words um, were collected in this ragged assemblage of notes in various dervish learning communities, and they existed for, in that way, just as a pile of things, of notes and sayings uh, that people would look at every now and then and meditate on, and then, uh, but nobody uh, put them in a book until 1940. And then gradually they got translated into English. And uh, finally, William Chittick put out a book with a horrible title of Me and Rumi. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, it's a very good collection of Shams is saying. And, and I just took and rephrased uh, some of those and made the 72. Um, pieces of it, and uh, so, and published his book, Soul Fury. Uh, Soul Fury is what Sham says everybody has, and it must be released. It's this wild, immediate uh, energy in everybody that has to find some way to be, find some, you know, outlet, and uh, uh, he's just wild. I'll read you some of Shams in just a little bit. You okay? He's just, he's worth listening to. Um, 
He says, everybody is in love with this word, bravo. They spend their lives trying to hear it called out to them, bravo, bravo. <laughs> Crowing comes from the rooster. Morning comes from God. <laughs> yeah. Eight centuries late, but he appreciates the applause. <laughs> um, the purpose of the story is not to hold your attention, but you, to put you back doing your work, inner and outer. A story is not for presenting some explicit meaning, and it is not for anyone's entertainment. He says, I swear to God, I'm not able to know, really know Rumi. There's no, no false modesty or deception in my saying this every day. <clears throat> I learn things about his state and his actions that were not there yesterday. He is so alive and in motion that I cannot know him. He has a beautiful face and present, and he speaks eloquent words, but do not be satisfied with those. There's something beyond the form and the words, beyond the face and the poetry. Try to seek that something from him. I'm unable to know Rumi because his words are like a blindfold. I cannot see through them to his eyes and know who he is. His poetry is like that, a great joke, really. Hilarious, a mask a new kind of conjuring. Let me say this clearly. Hypocrisy makes you ecstatic. Drunken with the presence you feel, truth makes you sad, discouraged, empty. Good night, folks. <laughs> Crowing comes from the rooster. Morning comes from God. If you really like this podcast, I mean, if you really like it and you simply cannot get enough, uh, you can always listen to other stuff I make. Deleted segments, episodes, special rants or thoughts, etc., etc. And all this additional material can be listened to over at patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. You can find a link in the program notes of this episode.
And for whatever amount you want, you can get access to all this additional material, as well as get access to these episodes before anyone else, because I post them there a week before they are officially released. I don't know how many podcasts you are listening to, but I bet not many of them are devoid of adverts. You will never experience ads on this podcast, only ads that promote the podcast itself. And even if you don't care about additional content, but you still want to help me keep this podcast going, please consider becoming a patron. You can also donate using PayPal if that is more suitable to your tastes. Just go to naturalbornalchemist.com. Everything is there. Now, since the theme in this episode has somewhat been a bit Persian, let's close with the song Do Panjere by the great Persian singer Gugosh. Look into her work, unless you've dived into Persian culture before, you've probably missed this gem. Gugosh. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. Personally, I feel a bit tired, like I hit a wall. Maybe I should just hire some sentient AI to fill in for me. Hmm. We'll see about that. Anyway, I hope you tune in next week. Freedom is in the mind. Don't you do it, 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 do it,
Y voy. 